Church, it's so lovely to be with you guys, and we are right Friday. We are with Steve and Joe, an amazing couple. As Steve has said, I am going to share with you my story on how I grew up, and also I'll be speaking on this value called Embracing the Poor, which you will hear my story that really I am the living testimony of what God has done in my life. Before we can do that, can you open our Bibles from the book of Psalm 113? I am going to read from verse 4. It says, The Lord is exalted over all the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high? He stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the airship. He sits them with princes, with the prince of his people. As I've said, I'm going to share with you my my background, where I'm coming from. I grew up in a very, very poor family. Back home in South Africa, there was a time whereby the white people were oppressing our parents. It was so difficult in my own home to have time with my dad. My dad will always be at work. From morning when he woke up, he'll be still, will be at work and come back late. As a young girl, I didn't know how is it to sit on my dad's lap. As a young girl, I didn't know how is it to, for my parents to say to me, well done, if I did something right. I didn't know that. It's not because my parents were bad people. No, they were not. But they didn't know how to appreciate me. They didn't know how to say well done to me because I believe that's the way they also grew up from their parents. Apartheid was cruel in South Africa. I remember when I grew up... Sam, can I have some tissue? I remember when I grew up... uh, it was even difficult for my parents to buy me the Christmas clothes. My mom, if they've got money, she'll go to Bethlehem. Bethlehem is 45 minutes drive from Clarence. And she will buy the school uniform and will wear that on Christmas Day so that they, we have the new clothes for, for, for the school. Even the shoes that they will buy for me I was not allowed to wear them in summer. I would walk like 10 kilometers to school with barefoot to save my shoes for the winter. If my mom didn't have money to buy those school uniforms, she would go and look in her wardrobe and take out her dress and cut it and make me a nice dress as a young girl. And even my mom, she will wake up early in the morning and go to the white person's house to look after their children, leaving me as a young girl, 12 years old, to look after my 
younger sisters because they needed to work. They needed to provide for us to have something to eat. My dad, during the weekends, she will try to make something like to get a, a, some extra income for us to live. Life was hard. Life was hard. And I got married to Sam. Life was very, very, very difficult. Yes, in my father's house, we didn't have much, but at least we have something to eat. But when I married Sam, there were times where I would go to bed with an empty stomach. Life was hard. And we needed to cut the wood, Sam and myself, so that we can sell to the township and we can have a little bit of money to buy the soap that we can do our washing to help our children. But God was there. I remember we moved to the township in 1994 after our elections. And when we get there, we, 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 bought, we bought our own uh, land and we put a tin shack. We lived in that tin shack for like five years without a proper house. In summer, it's like you are living inside an oven. In winter, it's like you are inside the fridge. It was hard. Then Sam decided to go and visit the Laban church, it was still at Steve's farm. And she, he was going and coming back. I didn't like the white people in South Africa, to be honest. The way they treated our parents, we didn't love them. So Sam was going to Steve's farm just to visit. And the other day, Sam said to me, you know what, I have made up my mind. And I said to him, what for? And she, he says, I want to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Guys, that was a foreign language in my ears. The reason being, we grew up in my culture, calling ourselves we are Christians, but still worshiping the ancestors. We were told that God doesn't have any power by himself. He needs the ancestors. That's how we grew up. We were worship, ancestral worshippers. We will slaughter cow, we slaughter a sheep or a goat just to worship our ancestors. And we'll go even to, to their graves just to pray and believe that they can do something for us. We grew up like that community. We, we were, there were lots of fear. If the, the storm is coming, you'll be fearful like something's going to happen to me. We were scared of the witch doctors. We were very scared of them. That's how we grew up. And we needed to have things that can tie us our waist just for protection. I used to have lots of ropes, ropes on my waist because I believe that that's my protection. So when Sam came home that day and said to me, I've made up my mind. I received Jesus as Lord and Savior. I said, what? And I sat down with him. I said, 
please explain to me, where is this Jesus of yours leaving me now? Because I still love to worship my ancestors. I'm still going to my former church where I used to have the ropes, where I will go and collect anointing water and sprinkle it all over my house. And Sam said to me, yes, we can still do those things, but not in this house anymore. If you still want to do them, you go to your parents' place or to my parents' place, but not in this house anymore. For those three months in our house, it was hell. (laughs) I gave him tough time. I really did. I used to say to him, Sam, I want to feel this thing that makes you to turn back on your ancestors. I want to feel it in my heart. Which I'm so grateful I did that because I didn't want to follow Jesus because I want to please Sam. I wanted to have this conviction in my heart that he is alive. And the other day I went to the Shabbat church. I was sitting at the back, seeing people jumping, screaming, and I'll be like, look at them, who do they think they are? And they will be shouting, in the name of Jesus, I will be sitting at the back and taking everything they are doing. And when we get home, I'll say to them, I don't like your church. But amazingly, I saw God changing Sam right in front of my eyes. I was like, actually, I don't know this guy anymore. I was so scared of him, honestly, because she had, he had something, and I would be like, what's wrong with you? But I believe that God was just, the Holy Spirit was all over Sam. I couldn't handle that. And the other day I went to visit the Saban church once again, and Steve was preaching. That day, the word of God just pierced my heart. And it was like the word is coming to my ears saying, if you die today, you are going to hell. When I get home, I said to Sam, "Mm, you know what, I think I want to be saved. (laughs) And he had the shock of his life and he was like, okay, tell me what happened. I said, I thought it's a good thing, I, I would love to do that. And some said, okay, right, when are you going to receive Jesus? You don't have to wait for Sunday. I can take you to Justice's house. Justice is one of the, was one of the elders in the church at the time. And I said to Sam, no, I will tell you when I can go. And it was Thursday evening. Sam said to me, you promised me. Again, I was still busy cooking supper. I just switched off the stove and I went to Justice. I raise up my hand and I receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. But again, after I received Jesus, I had this terrible fear in me. It was like I have done a terrible mistake of my life for receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior. And I didn't want to share this with Sam because I didn't want to discourage him until we had a conference back home and when they asked people to come forth to be prayed for, I just went and raised up my hand and I was honest with them. I said, guys, this is how I feel. And they prayed for me. I remember Margaret, the principal in our school, was like, Topsy, the Holy Spirit is all over you. And they clapped hands. I, I didn't know what happened, but I could feel that the heaviness which was on my shoulder has been lifted up. 
And I started to feel this joy of the Lord in my heart. When I read the word of God, it started to make sense to me. When I, I love to read Psalm 23 where it says, the Lord is my shepherd. But I was still reading that Psalm with the ropes on my waist. But when I started to understand exactly the word of God and the Holy Spirit interpreting the word to me, when I said the Lord is my shepherd, I could feel that yes, he is. I used to say when I pressed, Lord, give me my own testimony. I don't want to go around the township and telling people about other people's testimony, giving me my own testimony. You know what? My son got ill of epilepsy. That was horrible. And my parents were like, the ancestors are very angry with you. And I said, I've got a healer. His name is Jesus. I said to my mom and dad, if Jesus doesn't heal this boy, it's his business, that's not mine. Because this child is his, he just gave him to us to take care of him. And amazingly, God came and healed our son. And we stopped the medication. Then after a, a year that I was part of the church, guys, I didn't finish matric at school. Life was hard, as I said. My parents couldn't afford. And in, in, in South Africa, when Mandela was about to release from jail, the, the police were killing the students. So my dad was like, I don't think you have to go to school because it's risky. Even when I was still going to school, sometimes I'll go to school with an empty stomach. When other kids have carry, I don't know what you call it here, the money that they can buy things at school, I, I'll just go to the bathroom just to, not to be ashamed that I don't have anything. After I got saved, Steve said to Sam and Justice, I want Topsy to come and work at the church office as my PA. And I said to Sam, what is PA? <laughs> and Sam translate for me. I was talking to Steve through translation, but he wanted me to be his PA at the office, which didn't make any sense to me. And after he left, I said to Sam, how are we going to communicate with Steve if we can't hear one another? Because at my previous job, I was speaking Afrikaans. That's all I know. And Steve said to me, no, come, we'll work it out. I didn't know how to operate a computer. I didn't know anything. So the church paid for me to go and do English classes and computer at Dave and Cynthia. They are coming, you'll meet them. And Cynthia was my English teacher. Dave was my computer teacher who was helping me to operate a computer. I think I went there for like six months just to learn how to speak English, just to learn how to write it and also how to operate a computer. Guys, the first day that I have learned how to send an email from Dave, I sent the email to Steve. Instead of Steve replying to my email, he called me. He said, Topsy, did you send that email? I said, yes, I did. He said, who showed you? I said, I was doing this lesson about the, the email and the internet at Dave 
yesterday on Monday because I sent the email on Tuesday. Steve was like, wow, well done. I'm so proud of you. Remember I said there was not a single day where I had my mom and dad said well done to me. Do you know that word, someone saying well done to me, it touches me. It makes me feel I am special. It makes me feel that the same white person that I didn't like because of our history, God has used him to restore my dignity. You are so lucky today, you can hear what I'm saying. It was not like this with Steve when I first started working at the church office. And the next day he came to the office, he says, he said again, I'm so proud of you, Topsy. Just give me a hug. That was my first time to be hugged. I didn't even have toys as a young girl. I didn't have them. I needed to learn on how to make a toy with the material and all that just to play like other children did. And when I first got a cup of tea made by a white person, that was amazing. And I started to see that this Jesus is real. I started to see that actually I'm special because I always thought that there is nothing better that can come out of me. I'm useless. I'm, I'm not educated. I'm nothing. But because of what Steve and the church did back home in Clarence, I am who I am. That's what I said to you guys. I am the living testimony of what embracing the poor is. The psalm that I've just read, it says God himself looked down and raises up the poor. He himself raises up the poor. But what God wants is to work with us to raise up the poor. Guys, the poor are in God's agenda. God loves the poor as much as he loves the rich people. We saying earlier that in your kingdom broken lives are made new. Money cannot make a broken life new. Money cannot make a soul happy. Only in God's kingdom, all these things are happening. It says that song, because when I see you, I can face tomorrow because Jesus is with us. After a few years that I've been working for the church, I was asked to lead 
the group of ladies called People of Hope, whereby we were looking after the dying patients of HIV and AIDS. The stigma was very huge in our, in our community because people were still thinking that they have been bewitched if they have HIV. People didn't want to go and take the medication because HIV was a strange thing in our community. And what I've learned about the mistakes that we can make when we raise up the poor, I want to share them with you. Because sometimes we can be overwhelmed by the needs. We can be overwhelmed by, by, by the sickness that we, we want to do everything. And when we are in that position, we are not going to raise up the poor from airships. Sometimes we can create an atmosphere of dependency that people can depend on you on everything. That's what I've learned from my own community. Because we're working with this other organization from Johannesburg. They were giving us the food parcels. We can tell that the people are accepting us more when we have something to give to them. But if we come like, we just want to pray for you, sometimes they won't accept us. But we, I realize that let us not create this atmosphere that people will think we can do everything for them. Let us introduce them to Jesus and then the rest will follow. And then the other thing that we can make a, a mistake of raising up the poor is not empowering them. Because if you don't empower the poor, they will always come to us thinking that we've got the solution of everything. Which we don't. Only Jesus is got the solution. I like what Steve did to me. He was always showing me how to do a thing. Let me make an example. He would be like, Topsy, I want to send this email maybe to Steve. He will write everything down the way he wants me to write it. And then I will type the email. And then after that, he will come and check with me whether I've, I've did everything that he showed me. And then after that, I'll do it on myself. He showed me how to do it. He did it with me, and now I can do it for myself. I believe that's what we need to do. Like when we're raising up the poor, let us not make them depend on us because we are not helping them. I'm so grateful about what you guys are doing. Steve has been sharing with us. I saw with my eyes this morning the, the, the I don't know what you call them. The people who are sleeping on the street, they came just to have a cup of tea. And you know what does that mean for a poor person? Guys, you'll never understand. You will never understand. That cup of tea for them, even if they won't say that to you, I am telling you now, it makes something in their hearts. For them to know there is a church here, that they can come and be amongst you. It changes something in here. You might not see them being part of the church, but let me guarantee you, when you get home, Jesus is going to say, well done, wonderful and faithful servant. Because for taking care of the poor, we are touching the heart of God. The other thing that we can do, a mistake, is to judge them. Some of them we know why they are in a position they are. Maybe Steve was going to say to me, Tops, it's not my problem. Why didn't you go to school? 
for me, that will be a judgment because he, he, he didn't know where I'm coming from. He didn't know how was my life back home. But he just accepted me as I am. The other thing we can do is to think we are better than them. Guys, a poor person feels like their life has already judged me. Some of them, they know that I'm in this position because of my mistakes. They don't, they don't need to hear that from us as Christians, but just to love them. That big hug that we can give them, it changes the heart. And Jesus is entrusting us to do the same. Things we need to always remember when we are dealing with the poor is that they are God's people, not our people. They are his. The poor are not the project. They are equal partners in the kingdom. Please, let's change the way we see them. They are co-heirs with Christ. Yes, they don't have enough in this world. That's for sure. But let me tell you, one day, they will be sitting next to us in heaven. And some of them, they will say thank you to you. That when I have nothing, you welcomed me. When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. Guys, what you are doing is not a small thing. It's bigger than you think. And also, God has entrusted the poor to us. Remember Isaiah 61. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. The Lord has anointed me to go and preach the word of God to the poor. To release those who are in prison. To proclaim the year of God's favor for his people. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon you as a church. The one who called you from the darkness into his wonderful light has entrusted us all as his church to raise up the poor. He is doing that, but he wants to partner with us as we do that and give people dignity that they, they, they have. I know enemy has come and ripped people apart. I know he has destroyed families. I know he has killed dreams in people's lives. But you and I are the answer to the dying world. You and I are called by Jesus to be his mouth, to be his feet to those people. Are we willing to partner with Jesus? in everything that he's doing. Again, these poor people, 
these miserable people, these people that we think they are useless. Mark Jones once said, Mark Jones from Kloster, he came to Clarence and he was saying, leave the rubbish to Jesus to sort them out. Dig the gold in them. I wonder if Steve was not there for me. Who will I, where will I be? I wonder if Steve didn't believe in me. Where will I be? But today, I'm standing in front of you, being one of the poor of the poorest, speaking to the people that I was saying to, to Steve when he was telling me about the things happening here. I was like, what? I never thought in the UK there are poor people. Because, you know, back home, we think everything in this, in this other country, uh, side of the world, everything is perfect. But now I realize the poor are everywhere. And that's our responsibility, if I can put it that way. Jesus is with us. As we go into their homes, as we pray for them, as we restore their dignity, as we share his word with them, as we, we, we communicate, as we drink tea with them, remember Yes, you are doing for that person because he's the one you are looking, but you are doing them to Jesus. That's what he said in the Gospels. He said one day when we get home, he will be thanking us that when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you came and visited me. When I was sick, you came and see me. And he said, we'll ask him, Jesus, when did you see, we see you in that position? He said, everything you did to the little of my brothers, you did them to me. So if we can think that whatever we are doing to the poor, we are doing it to Jesus. That will change the way we see the poor. That will change them the way they see themselves. Because they, they, I know, I know what they're thinking. They think, I'm nothing, I'm useless. What good can come out of me? But guys, because of you, Jesus can change situations. And you will be amazed. When I was sharing my testimony, when I was in, in Australia, Steve just burst in tears. And he said to me, Tops, I wish I can take credit of what you said, but I don't think I've got any right to take that credit because I saw God changing you in front of my eyes. Guys, what a, a beautiful thing we can do as a church. Those people, only thing they need is us to love them. That's all. They need our love. They need us to accept them. They need us to be there for them. I was sharing home. I said, all the time when I'm at the Saban Church, I know I've got brothers and sisters who loves me. Even this morning, I know they've been praying for me. Guys, what a privilege to be part of this family. They love us even more than our parents did love us. 
So you are such a privileged people in England. Guys, when, when I, I heard the stories of the things that you are doing, my heart just melt. I want to commend you before God. Well done. Well done, guys. I know it's not an easy thing. They will irritate you sometimes. I know that. But well done for loving them unconditionally. Well done for being there for them when no one wanted to take care of them. When their families rejected them. Guys, well done. I believe Jesus is saying that to you all this morning. That you are my body. And you do exactly what Jesus would love to do for them. Let us keep on embracing the poor. And take them with us to change the world. That's what Steve always says. I don't want the, the, the poor people just to be saved and to be comfortable here. I want to take them with me to the mission. Let's go and change the world for Jesus. He's coming back. And let's get his body ready for his return. Thank you so much. God bless you all.